0: Our inboxes are filling up with a lot of Podcast League entry emails, so keep them coming. Send us an email, fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com. If you want to be in our Podcast League, put Podcast League in the subject line. This is a 12 team head to head points league. You'll be competing against the three of us. Looks like we're going to have a pretty big field to choose from, huh? I would say so. Yeah, so they're coming in, and thanks a lot to everybody for submitting. We really are looking forward to it. Again, fantasy baseball at com is our email address. Put podcast league in the subject line. If you have a question that you want read on the air, just put podcast in the subject line. We'll do our best to get to it. going to be a little challenging to read some emails today because I expect this to be a long show. It's our outfield preview. Adam Azer, Scott White, Al Melchior. Here we go. Talking outfielders. Now, we did an auction yesterday, and I'm so glad it's over. I'm surprised it's over. It was like, over <laughs> four hours long. <laughs> Uh, but it really uh it was great to do for me. It was actually a real draft, but I suggest everybody go out there and do a mock draft whether it 's an auction or a draft, and get comfortable with with these guys and where they 're going but definitely helpful for me as we as we get ready to preview outfielders. Learned a lot about the position. And you did a great job, Al, getting Matt Kemp for $34 when I got Ryan Braun for $41. So nice work.
1: Well, thank you very much. Yeah, that was kind of an interesting thing in the draft because some of the earlier guys did go at a bargain price, and and he was, I think, maybe the second nominee. He was the
2: second. Josh Hamilton was the first. He yeah. went for
1: 12 which was also to you, an right? extreme value. Yeah,
2: I got him for 12 And then Kemp, I said it to Al after he won him for 34 Uh that the, those first round guys typically go closer to forty, and that was that was a definite bargain. I think everyone was still rubbing the sleep out of their eyes at that point.
0: Yeah, you're always kind of you're kind of waiting to see how much the first big guy goes for. Yeah, to, as a barometer for the and, rest, right? And,
2: and to me, this this happens to me because I I actually budget out how much I intend to spend at every position. I didn't budget for a thirty five dollar outfielder, so I didn't want to go out on that limb, even though I recognize the value there. Uh, not that I ever break the plan or anything, but but that's that that's something that can also happen. Well, let's pick up on that because I spent big on Ryan Braun because every
0: year when I'm in a roto league, and of course, guys, roto league five outfielders, head-to-head league three outfielders, it really changes your strategy. I always end up with bad outfielders, <laughs> so I was happy I got two good ones. I have Michael Morse who's actually playing first base, but I have Braun and one other really good outfielder. Um, that I can't remember right now. But what's. You, you say, Scott, you don't budget more than $35 for an outfielder. You won't spend $35 well,
2: on one outfielder. Generally speaking, no. Uh, I would still say I, I, I'd i much rather go. Uh, spend, <laughs> the big dollar guys I would prefer are at the infield positions. Um, I got Longoria for 33, Dustin Pedroia 33. Um too low for 42 so that's where all my money went and while I think outfield position is shallower this year than a year's past we're going to get into that more I, I still think there's still a lot of those $20 names out there that I, I'd rather get like three $20 guys or two 20s and a 10 than uh, a Matt Kemper or a Ryan Braun by the way Matt Holiday was the other kind of top-notch outfielder
1: that I got Al, what was your strategy um you know, I just I was open to to spending for an outfielder. I probably would have gone higher on Kemp if I if I needed to. Um, you know, I don't think outfield is nearly as deep as it used to be. So, I treat it almost like I would treat you know second or third base. Maybe not quite to the same extreme, but uh, I'm definitely willing to shell out um, a lot and early for a, a big-name guy. And I, and I will say early, by the way, because as the position becomes more scarce and more guys come off the board, and I think we saw this, especially with the Kemp versus Braun thing, that people are willing to spend more when those those uh, players become more scarce. Right. So I like to go early and uh, you know try to get a bargain that way. There's a lot of different ways you could go
2: without field, and – it's more of a priority, obviously, in roto because you start five as opposed to three in head-to-head. And if it was a draft, mm-hmm. I would be more likely to go for one of those super high-end guys because you have to wait around. You're not going to be able to get those three twenty-dollar guys necessarily because other people will be jumping in there to get them in a draft. When in an auction, you can obviously. Uh, force the issue more and and make sure it happens.
0: For the sake of this podcast, we'll probably consider Jose Bautista a third baseman. We talked extensively about him in our third base podcast, so we'll look at outfielders here. And you know what? Let's just kind of compare the first two rounds of a roto draft and a head-to-head draft. These were our mock drafts. They're available on the website. Roto draft, we had um, Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, Joey Votto, Matt Kemp for... By the way, this is pre-Ryan Braun, so you can assume we have him... Uh, Third in our rankings, Al, I'm sorry, I forgot what you said yesterday. Braun ahead of Kemp for you or behind
1: Kemp? Um, Depends on the format. So behind for Roto, ahead for head-to-head. Scott? I I would take Kemp over Braun either way, but they're
2: pretty much the same. (laughs) Sure. All right. So, again, Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, Joey Votto, Matt Kemp,
0: Tulewitzki, Jose Bautista, then Ellsbury, Pedroia, Granderson, Adrian Gonzalez, Carlos Gonzalez. So that means in the first round, excluding Bautista, we had Kemp, Ellsbury, Granderson, and Gonzalez. This is in a roto league. Second round, Justin Upton, Prince fielder, Hanley Ramirez, Mark Teixeira, Evan Longoria, Ian Kinsler, Jose Reyes, Andrew McCutcheon, another outfielder, Roy Halladay, David Wright, Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw. Four in the first round, two in the second round. In the head-to-head draft, Miguel Cabrera, Roy Halladay. Uh, Albert Pujols, Jose Bautista, Troy Tulowitzki, Matt Kemp is the first one off the board at number six. Joey Votto, Jacoby Ellsbury, Adrian Gonzalez, Dustin Pedroia, Robinson Cano, Justin Verlander. So you see a big difference there. Uh, we can add one because we can figure Braun's going to go in the first round. It would have been five in the first round in the Roto League and three in the first round in the head-to-head league. In the head-to-head league, the second round was Fielder, Kershaw, Granderson, Lee, uh, Cliff Lee, that is, Evan Longoria, Kinsler, Teixeira, Santana, Carlos Gonzalez, Sabathia, Upton, Felix Hernandez. Point is, they're going to go off the board a little bit earlier in a roto league. Um, I want to talk about Matt Kemp. One of my kind of fantasy philosophies, I don't necessarily love to take guys who just had like far and away their career year, and which is why I wasn't going to take Carlos Gonzalez last season. Matt Kemp, especially compared to Ryan Braun, Ryan Braun's been more consistent, I would say. Matt Kemp exploded last year, Al. Any
1: concerns about a regression? Not really, because he looked like a pretty good bounce-back candidate. That is, Kemp looked like a good bounce-back candidate last year. Um, you know, Braun, Braun too, on, on a much smaller scale, has had some ups and downs. Clearly more consistent than Kemp. But uh, it's really just the one season for Kemp where he just was... It's it's really an outlier because it was so out of character with, with what he's accomplished elsewhere. So, uh, no, I don't have any concerns about Kemp going into this year. And I think there is some reason
2: for concern with Braun, less so because of the, the failed test and, and what all goes into that, than because Prince Fielder's gone now. And he's pretty much always batted in front of Prince Fielder. And his numbers when he wasn't batting in front of Prince Fielder are... Bad, bad, bad. Not that I think he's going to be bad. I think he's going to be a first-round outfielder. But if you're gonna if you're gonna call Kemp risky because he's coming off a career season, then I think there's just as much of an argument there for Braun. All
0: right, who do you like best? Ellsbury, Granderson, Justin Upton, Carlos Gonzalez. Ellsbury, Granderson, Justin Upton, Carlos Gonzalez. How would you rank them, Scott? Ellsbury, uh, well, <laughs> Granderson, Justin Upton, Carlos Gonzalez. I
2: think that. Maybe cargo ahead of Justin Upton for me, but more because I think of cargo. I think there's a reason to draft Upton ahead if you think he's going to take a step forward and you're worried about cargo's injury risk. I just think uh, I just trust cargo's numbers a little more.
1: Now, what what order would you have for those four? Yeah, um, Ellsbury, Granderson. Cargo, then Upton. Um, No question Cargo ahead of Upton. And yes, we do have him ranked both in Roto and head-to-head behind Upton, but that builds in the assumption that he's going to miss some games. But I I think Cargo has the ability um, and the potential to possibly be the third most productive outfielder ahead of Ellsbury and Granderson no doubt I mean if he stays healthy he's a first rounder yeah that's
2: it's it's just that
1: issue he hasn't <laughs> yeah, done that before you can't you can't just you know yeah. uh, uh, slough off that that health issue but um you know certainly enough promise there to put him ahead of Upton
0: here are our top 20 rankings and their auction values Jose Bautista 39 Matt Kemp $37 this is out of a $260 budget Ryan Braun, 36, Jacoby Ellsbury, 32, Curtis Granderson, 27, Upton and Cargo, uh, 26. Andrew McCutcheon, 20, Josh Hamilton, 19, Matt Holliday, 17, Stanton, 16, Carl Crawford, 16, Victorino, 16, Ben Zobrist, 16, Michael Bourne, Hunter Pence, Shinsu Chu, Lance Berkman, Nelson Cruz, all $15 dollars. And then Desmond Jennings at fourteen dollars is number twenty. We say it's a shallow position now, comparatively to years past. So what are we
1: talking about? Um, I mean, in terms of why why yeah. it's so shallow, and you know, we've got a, a pretty hardy elite there with you know five or, or potentially you know six, seven, seven. I'd say. Well, if you count Bautista, seven. Right, right. Um, but the, the drop-off is pretty steep after that, and it's not that there aren't some players there who, don't, who have the capability to get there, but you know, Josh Hamilton, it's injury risk. Andrew McCutcheon, will he or won't he you know, take it up another level? Holiday is a playing time slash injury risk. So you go down the line, Stanton, Crawford, uh, you got a bunch of guys who could make this a much deeper position, but there's just too much risk there. For, I, I can summarize it. This way,
2: you, there's about 24 guys I'm comfortable with starting for me in a mixed league. And that only fills two outfield spots <laughs> in a 12-team league. So particularly if you're talking about a roto format, uh, you're going to have to rely mostly on, on sleeper, breakout, upside guys to, to fill out the majority of your outfield there. We haven't
0: really talked about head-to-head league strategies where you need three. Are you going to be pretty aggressive and try to get three of those 24?
2: No, I, I wouldn't do that because, well, I mean, just not to get too deep into my, my breakout picks, but there's there's enough guys in the middle rounds who I feel like excel particularly in head-to-head, Jason Hayward, Logan Morrison, uh, Lucas Duda, even later than that, that uh, I, I'd be happy with any of those three as my third outfielder and probably be able, at least in the case of Duda, to get them one for my bench also. And I, I'd feel good about that. But two for sure. Um, in a roto league, I, I probably would be more likely to go for that third guy. Do you guys consider Jacoby Ellsbury to be
0: injury
1: prone? Because really, other than two thousand and ten, he plays a lot of games. I I don't. I mean, I was really concerned a year ago because the one injury that he'd had, and I guess it's more than one injury because there were aggravations of it, but it was a very serious injury um, with the ribs and and uh, you know issues of you know being close to his lungs and it seemed pretty pretty dicey there for a while but once he came back from that of course he didn't just come back as good as ever he came back an entirely different player and yeah. a, better, a much better player so no I, he's clearly past that rib issue and the rest of his history is you know I, if not perfectly clean it's certainly nothing to raise a concern.
0: Yeah, last four seasons 145 games, 153-18 and 158 games. So he probably has a label that's not 100% accurate accurate for him. Who is a big who has a big difference in value in head to head versus Roto Scotts?
2: Uh, oh, this is a long list <laughs> for me. Uh so I named a few of them there with uh I would say Hayward, Logan Morrison, Due to all for the same reasons, they're not going to give you any steals, but and they're not necessarily going to be thirty home run guys, at least not at this stages of their career. But they'll they'll be twenty home run guys, and they'll hopefully walk a lot, which makes them better in head to head things. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I also have Andre Ethier there because for a lot of the same reasons. Nick Markakis, um again, not a ton of homers, but plenty of walks. Uh, Nick Swisher. The, he he would hurt you in batting average, but he makes up for it so much in walks that that in head-to-head leagues, you still end up in pretty good shape All these him. guys you're listing are better in head-to-head formats? All better in head-to-head, okay. yes. Uh, for some Roto guys, a lot of either high strikeout steel guys or slap-hitting steel guys. Like uh, Ichiro Suzuki would be a slap-hitting steel guy now. Um, uh, Cameron Maybin, high strikeout steel guy. Austin Jackson, high strikeout steel guy. Uh, and uh, just a couple of more oddball ones. Nelson Cruz, because he's so prone to injury, I have him much better in Roto. Adam Jones, because he's a low-walk guy who, who does put up good numbers. Otherwise, I have him better in Roto.
1: Um, so those are a few examples. Al, did you want to add? I want, want to add a surprising head-to-head guy, a guy you think who would be better in Roto but isn't, um, Dexter Fowler. And he can help you a bit with steals, but he is Mr. Triples.
2: Oh, and true, so that yeah.
1: that's a nice little head-to-head bonus that you get from him. So don't underrate Fowler in, in head-to-head. He's actually a little better there. A couple th- – uh, three things, actually, I noticed. Shane Victorino
0: last year, 14th in head-to-head, 23rd in rodo. It's a fairly big difference, but he's still a top 24 See, outfielder.
2: Yeah, that's kind of ties him in with – With Fowler, I think. I mean, Fowler has the strikeouts going that that Victorino doesn't, but they're both double-triples guys who steal some bases but aren't elite base stealers. And, uh, you know, Victorino, obviously, the much more evolved version than Fowler. Um, And Carlos Lee, 19th in head-to-head, 41st in
0: Roto. That's a big difference. Carlos Belchon, 16th in head-to-head, 25th in Roto. Last year. These were last year's stats. Let's talk about Michael Bourne. He was 13th in head-to-head, 7th in Roto. How big of a deal is it to draft him for your Roto team? really changes your team if you can get Michael Bourne, right?
1: Yeah, now he's clearly an elite guy for your Roto team, whereas he is, you know, you say 13th, so that makes him low-end, number one, high-end number two. For head yeah. to head, um, so he's he's a guy I think people will underrate for head to head, absolutely, because they think of him as a roto guy, and he's got a little bit more doubles power than than people may give him credit for. But uh, you know, I, I don't think there's yeah, no I mean, secret about his roto value. That thirteenth
2: though, that thirteenth ranking in head to head leagues it says it all. I mean, if he was the thirteenth best outfielder, why why would you downgrade him? And are that you format? buying him? Though? I buy him. I, okay. What what did he do that was out of character? I, his doubles were higher, yes, but it. It makes sense at the stage he's at in his development, and if the the thing I'd worry about dropping off most is because he's approaching thirty, maybe not sixty steals anymore maybe maybe that down, down drops down to fifty or whatever, but if that's the case, it's gonna hurt him just as much in roto as head to head, yeah, so that's Michael Bourne we're talking about, and <laughs> how about this? He went in round four
0: of our roto draft round I, eleven. Of our head-to-head draft, I, I hated Eleven. that.
2: I hated that. <laughs> I saw it happening. I said, "This guy's falling way too much. I need to draft him." And and I went with Hayward over him. And I going upside, obviously, and Hayward being a guy I like much more in head-to-head. I, I I think I still regret it to this day. It was just you're <laughs> talking about at a, a top fifteen outfielder in the eleventh round and. That that just speaks to the perception thing Al was talking about. He's not as different in those two formats as people think. Let's look at say the top fifteen or twenty, the
0: elite or close to elite guys. Who are you afraid of? Are there anybody you're afraid of that
1: you want to avoid, Al? You know, uh, and I've dra- probably just burned from over drafting him in the past. Josh Hamilton. I mean, you know, case in point, yesterday he went for twelve bucks. And uh, that's you know, good, though, right? You would probably do that, wouldn't you? I, well, I would, and that's—I'm sort of chastising myself for the fact that I didn't step in and go at least for 13. He's worth, well, you know, probably worth 20 at least. Yeah, to stick on the Hamilton theme,
2: um, because it's a roto league, and because yes, he is injury-prone, but it's never been something that sidelines him for three quarters of a season or anything. It's just 20 games here. Uh, 15 games there, that sort of thing. So Roto, I mean, the 90 RBI, the 20 homers, the high batting average, they're always there. It, it, it's head-to-head where he gets scarier because you know he is going to end up missing sometime, and and whether or not you put him in your lineup, you'll always have that debate going on. Uh, a, a player who I think is ranked similarly, who I lump in with him right now, is Matt Holiday. Uh, and it, it's really a new thing for him. Played only 124 games last year, but considering he's 32 now, he might start to fit into that mold, dealt with a quadriceps injury, finger hand injuries during the playoffs, had a back strain at some point last year. He had Had the appendectomy, didn't he? uh, I I couldn't remember if that was last year. I kind of feel like it was two years ago. I thought it was the beginning of last year. I thought
1: so too, so we'll have to see who's got the best memory here. Well, he
2: played played (laughs) over 150 games two years ago, so that... He barely Might missed any sense. time with the
0: appendectomy,
1: yeah. though, right? Wasn't it like? Right. It, didn't come it back was, as fast as Adam Dunn, I think two but, years ago it was Andres Torres
2: who had the appendectomy. That
1: was two years ago. That was late in the season. And I think it was Holiday and then Dunn in mm-hmm. quick succession yeah, it a was year ago. Weird.
0: <laughs> there was something going on. Dunn came back air. like three days later. <laughs> anyway, but sorry. But
1: getting to my point, if you're scared
2: of Josh Hamilton, you have to be equally scared of Matt Holiday. I just think, you know, last year Hamilton was a first-rounder this year he's a third rounder. I think he's you you can accept that risk a lot more in the third round than the first round. Yeah. Sure. How about <sighs> oh, guys yeah, a few other players sure, yeah. who scare me. Um Carl Crawford for obvious reasons, he's dealing with the wrist. Um Lance Berkman because of his age, I'm just not sure he can he can have he can do that same thing all over again. Nelson Cruz obviously the injury risk. Uh and And uh, Hunter Pence, who I have labeled as a bust. All those guys I have labeled as busts, potentially. Where would you draft
0: Nelson Cruz? He has never played in more than 128 games. At what point do you say, all right, I'll take him? (laughs)
2: I've never gotten to that point, (laughs) Let me
0: tell you where he's going. In Roto Leagues, Nelson Cruz is going in round five. I was
1: going to say, before you do, let me just take it off the cuff, because it's been a while since I've drafted him, too. I was going to say seventh or eighth. Okay. So I am... In a roto league, which means in a head-to-head league even further down? Yeah,
0: probably more like eighth, ninth, yeah. Okay, uh, let's go through some guys then. Real quick, though, Multi multiple position eligibility. Jose Bautista, third base. Brandon Belt, first base. Lance Berkman, first base. Uh, Bonifacio, shortstop, third base. Let's see, Kadire first base, Duda first base, Aubrey Huff first base, Howard Kendrick second base, Carlos Lee first base, Michael Morse first base, Prado third base,
1: Rayburn second base, Zobrist second base. There are more. You can see it all on the website. And I'm sorry, the the, the bulk of those guys I think were first base. And so in this case, you do probably want to use them as an outfielder. So their inclusion in this list matters. Guys like obviously Kendrick, Zobrist, Bautista, for all intents and purposes, you probably shouldn't really consider them as outfielders. Andrew McCutcheon, tenth last year in head to head, sixteenth
0: in Roto. only batted two fifty nine, but he's a twenty twenty guy. You always seem to like him, Scott.
2: Yeah, I do, and it's mostly because of how early he he became a walker and, and how, how he was one of those guys who was basically an even walk to strikeout guy as In his early 20s, which is unheard of. Um, He kind of strayed from that last year, and the batting average tanked in the second half, so I'm not quite as all-in on him as I used to be. I still like him, but to me, he's just outside that elite tier of outfielders um, because I I, I don't know that I can trust him for a high batting average anymore. Melky Cabrera, eighth-best
0: outfielder last year in both formats. People obviously are not buying him. He's going
1: pretty late. That's a good thing, yeah. And I, th- and I think some people – I don't know. I think maybe there are just a lot of people who don't buy the performance. I certainly don't. I- I've heard and read things about people being concerned about the shift from Kansas City to San Francisco. I think that's kind of a wash. They're both pitchers' parks. I think San Francisco just gets the, the bigger reputation as one. But I lo- to look at his stat line from last year that made him a top-10 guy, what really sticks out, particularly in head-to-head, is 44 doubles. A lot of those were actually on ground balls, which probably sounds a little weird because you'd think about, you know, a gap shot that he could, you know, get a couple bases on. A lot of ground ball doubles. That's a fluky thing. Don't see him ever repeating that again. So- but at the same time, I got him for five dollars. In the in the auction yesterday. Well, that kind of go- goes back to what Adam's saying—that people aren't buying him, and and so somebody he's could he's, be so underrated, maybe that he he does have some bargain value. But if if people are going to draft based on last year, that's that's going to yeah. be an overbuy.
0: Melky Cabrera or Peter Borges. Melky.
1: I say Melky
0: also. Melky Cabrera or Austin Jackson. Melky. Yeah, Melky. Mm,
2: Melky Cabrera or Cameron Mabin. I go Melky still. Do you like any of those guys? <laughs> it's uh, it's it's interesting that you say that because all three of those guys are guys Al and I disagree on, and I take the negative on all three of them. So actually, Al's probably the better barometer
1: for this. And, and, and I think we agreed on the first two uh, because, again, to me, it's a matter of perception. And if everybody's Donna Cabrera, then we you know probably don't. Disagree so much, but but in terms of Maven, here's where I think the difference shows up. Because in a Roto league, I probably would take Mabin over Melky, but head to head, it's close. But I probably would go Melky. Well, what do you think about Cameron Mabin? Is he a starter, starting
0: outfielder in a head to head league, or is he a, a four or five outfielder? Those the,
2: who do, those three you Borges, named, Borges Austin Jackson, Aust- Mabin. They're all kind of in the same category for me in that. They're high strikeout guys who. Their main value, you know, Austin Jackson and and Burgess have some extra base pop, but their 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 main value is steals, and if you're a high strikeout guy and you steal bases, there's the risk of you hitting for a low batting average, and if if you're if you're going to be a batting average drain, then really how valuable are those steals worth? To me, it's 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 more worth loading up on. On guys who who seem more capable of hitting for a decent batting average, like a Melky Cabrera, a Shinsu Chu, you know they're going to give half the steals of of maybe some of those guys, but um, I, I think uh, I think loading up on them is is better than than relying on these guys later. Yeah. Rebuttal?
1: No, because I agree with them. Okay. <laughs> How about uh, Mike Stanton? Al, wow. what do you think about him? Well, yeah, I, mean, I think I think he's a, a strong breakout candidate. Um, he's really made progress from from his first year to his second, and I think a lot of people expected him to maybe take a step back or to plateau. But you know, this is a young guy who is just just bursting his way into the elite and he's not quite there yet but i could see him this year establishing that level so not not enough of a track record to trust as a number one guy but awfully awfully close stanton or matt holiday uh see, i would go holiday because i would play it safe for for a number one outfielder
2: i'd also go holiday <laughs> holiday i i get the impression i'm not as high on stanton as the general population Although I could see him having a forty season a forty homer season for sure, I just think the strikeout rate is going to condemn him to being that two sixty hitter for at least these early stages of his career. Stanton or Victorino? Uh I I in head to head Victorino. Uh but in Roto I would probably lean more towards Stanton. Nelson Cruz
1: or Desmond Jennings? Ow. Mm. I probably am going Jennings there because it just Cruz always finds a way to pull his quad or his hamstring get injured. Scott, Nelson Cruz Desmond
2: Jennings? I go Jennings also, and he's a guy I find myself reaching for a lot. I think 15 homer, 40 steal season is very likely for him, and he's a guy who walks a lot too. So I well, really like Dude Jennings. had
0: 20 steals in 63 games, so yeah, I know. he's got a lot of potential there. I know. Guy's fast. Jay Bruce was the 18th-ranked outfielder in both formats last year. I know you guys disagree about Jay Bruce.
1: What's the deal? The deal is that I think he's one of these guys who had a season, and I want to say it's two years ago, where he combined a pretty good batting average with his power. I don't question the power at all, but I do question the batting average because it was a one-time deal, and nothing in his batted ball profile really supports him being a 270-280 hitter. So I just think that people are going to overrate him. They're going to look at that one year and think he's going to rebound to that, whereas I think that could, even at his young age, potentially have been a career year for, for Jay Bruce. I, I really don't disagree with that premise. I don't think he's a 270, a true 80
2: hitter either. I just think guy's 24. He was healthy for a full season last year for the first time. Hit 32 home runs. I, I don't see what's so different between him and Mike Stanton. They're, all, they're both at an age where they're, they're expected to improve some, uh, but they're 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 not going to be great source of batting average because of their strikeout rates. They are going to be a good source of homers. I like Stanton more, but
1: well, I, I would I would be happier with Bruce. I think three rounds later. Here here to me is the difference between Stanton and Bruce. Uh, to me, Bruce is. Closer comp would be Carlos Quentin, actually, because he really relies on the high fly ball rate to generate the power, whereas Stanton has even better power with a moderate fly ball rate. So I, I trust his ability to improve his batting average by cutting back on strikeouts. Now, he's got a ways to go. Bruce is the better contact hitter at this point, but I, I think that there's more room for Stanton to grow because the power is already there. He's just got to become a better contact hitter, whereas with Bruce, I'm not sure where the growth is going to come from. Jay Bruce or Chris Young? Ah, uh, I'd say probably going young there. Mm, that's
2: interesting. I would go Bruce because I think Young is going to kill your batting average. Bruce is just kind of—it's <laughs> going to kind of hold it back a little. Yeah,
1: there, there's that. <laughs> and I, I guess I went young just because I think he'll help with steals. Jay Bruce or Michael Morse?
2: Hmm. I'll go Mike. Oh, man. That's very close, actually. I, I think I'll go Michael Morse because I think there's some hope of him helping your batting average. I don't necessarily trust him to be a 300 hitter again, but I know Bruce isn't going to be a 300 hitter, so I'll say Morse. Jay Bruce or Shinsu Chu? Chu. You guys have faith in him? I do. You, you When he had that uh, DUI arrest in, I think it was early May last year, he talked about how it affected him mentally. He got you know, back in South Korea they weren't happy with him and and it, it kinda sounds like an excuse, but when he came back after after suffering an injury during that period, he was the same shoe as always, hit about three fifty with the power and speed. So it, it seems to make a lot of sense to me and I think he's going to get back to being that three hundred twenty twenty guy this year. I, I really I really don't have any concerns about him having another down year statistically.
1: What do we do about Ioannis Espetis, Bryce Harper and Mike Trout Alright uh, of the three, uh, I think Trout's probably got the best chance to produce this year. And actually there was just a story in the LA times, uh, within the last, uh, 24 hours or so that Trout will start the year in the minor leagues. But I just think that there's so many question marks in that angels lineup where Trout is going to get his opportunities. And I know Davey Johnson wants Harper to be on the, the nationals opening day roster. Even if he gets his way, I don't know that he can stick. He's, he's got a lot to prove. And says Spettis, I think is, is maybe, even though he's probably got the best chance for playing time could be, at least on a per-game basis, the most suspect of the three. I think he's going to have a hard time making the adjustment in his first year to uh, to the major leagues. I actually like Harper the most of the three
2: because, really, nobody's in his way in the outfield there. I feel like the Angels, yeah, there's a lot of risky options there, but there's a lot of options that are going to be hard to bench to just because of their contract or reputation or whatever. You know, Abreu's already an odd man man out. Trumbo might be an odd man out if Kendris Morales... Isn't available, so I think Trout. I I think Harper. Once he does come up, you know he's going to play every day. So, I I think he's a safer bet. Who are we drafting though? Standard mixed league. I would take. I would take any of them with a late round pick. I feel like they're all going to go earlier than I'd want to go for for them because I'd rather have like Lucas Duda in the late rounds or, or. Uh, even like uh, a Phil Hughes, particularly in a head-to-head league where you want more arms, so I don't think I'm going to get any of them. But I'd be I'd be more likely to go for Harper. Are we buying the way B.J. Upton finished the season
0: last year? He finished it pretty hot, didn't he? I'll be honest.
1: <laughs> that didn't <laughs> I, that didn't it, register in my memory. It banks. Didn't register it for me either. But uh,
0: uh, I, I read it in his update last but year and yeah. yesterday when I but was. I
1: guess the answer is no because I think after a pretty inconsistent start to his career, he he's now a guy who is who he is. And uh, if he finished hot, I think that the the season to season numbers show that you know his level is not going to be much above that.
0: Would you take a chance on one of those other three: Suspetus, Harper, Trout? before drafting Upton?
1: Uh no, I wouldn't. I mean I don't think Upton is is the high level talent that he sort of tantalized us into thinking he might be earlier. But to me, Harper and Trout are late round guys you take a flyer on um and and you hope that they way outperform their the draft position. But up Upton again, you Middle pretty guy. much know what you're gonna get there. Yeah. Upton or Swisher? In in head to head I would prefer Swisher
2: because Upton um because Swisher with the walks is good in head-to-head, and Upton's going to strike out a ton. In Roto, I'd go Upton because he's a 40-steel guy. Here's our next exercise. We are looking at, at average draft position in
0: Roto leagues. This is from Mock Draft Central. Now, pretty soon on our site, uh, we will have our own average draft position when we get some more data from some more drafts. But right now, we're using Mock Draft Central. I'm going to read the outfielders where they went and if anything jumps out at you, round by round, good value, bad value, you know, if it's just if it's just normal, standard, whatever, then we don't have to mention it. But if anything stands out at you, is either really good or really bad, you know, holler. Kemp, Bautista, Ellsbury, Upton, and Braun in round one.
2: Upton stands out as a reach to me because those two second-round guys who are Cargo, cargo and Granderson in yeah. round two. I would take them over Upton. So Upton seems like a reach.
1: Cargo and
0: Granderson in round two, we're good with, though?
1: Yeah.
2: Mike Stanton,
1: Andrew McCutcheon, Josh Hamilton in round three. Well, again, e- even though I've taken him in recent years as a first rounder, I think I would be waiting longer than round three to take Hamilton. The other t- Stanton for sure in round three. Well, actually, if I'm going to say Stanton, then yeah, McCutcheon too. Matt
2: okay good.
1: Scott? We'll go ahead and read round 4 cause
2: Matt
0: Holiday, Jay Bruce, Carl Crawford, I put Jay Bruce down twice. He was only drafted once. Matt Holiday, Jay Bruce, Carl Crawford and Hunter Pence in round 4.
2: Yeah, this is where things get interesting cuz Matt Holiday to me is is closer to being a third rounder than Mike Stanton. Um and Bruce in round 4. Like I said, I take him 3 rounds after Stanton. I don't know that I'd go from one round after Stanton like he's going here. Uh, so I would say that's bad value for him. Carl Crawford, considering the wrist issues and everything else, bad value. And Hunter Pence, Alan, I just don't plain don't like. <laughs> uh, he 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 definitely seemed to be performing over his head with the batting average last year. So I think he's also a reach in round four. Yeah, that, I
1: think this is where you see a a, a break in the tiers because with if all those other guys are off the board by the end of round three, I'm not taking an outfielder in round four. Nelson Cruz, Michael Bourne, Desmond Jennings, round five. Well I already said Cruz yeah. I'd be waiting probably till the seventh round. The other two I have no issue with.
0: Alex Gordon, Shinsu Chu, BJ
1: Upton in round six. Chu is fine. Um I would probably wait on on the other two Gordon and, yeah. and Upton.
2: Upton I think is is decent for if you're counting on him for steals, but the drain he's gonna be on your batting average isn't isn't worth isn't worth it in round six. Yeah.
0: I, I know when I asked earlier if you would take one of those rookies ahead of Upton. I I didn't mean like ahead of him. I just meant where are you going to get better value? It was a poorly phrased question. Obviously, uh, BJ Upton more value than those three guys. Shane Victorino, Adam Jones, Drew Stubbs in round
2: seven. I think this is great value for Victorino and not so great for Adam Jones. And even worse for Drew Stubbs. You like Adam Jones more than Drew Stubbs? See, in a roto, I actually prefer Stubbs um, because... The power-speed combination is about the same as Upton. I think he's a little better in batting average.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Just uh, I know I'd be waiting longer to get stubs. Round eight's interesting. Corey Hart, Brett Gardner.
0: Again, this is Roto. Michael Kadire, Lance Berkman, Jason Worth.
2: Kadire, round eight. That seems like a reach. I don't know if there's a lot. there. I, I guess there's probably some people out there counting on... Uh, statistical boost with Coors Field but he's so up and down with the power and really doesn't stand out in any other area so I'm I'm not high on taking him there um, I guess none of the others stand out one way or the other though for me
1: yeah I think Gardner is okay there in Roto but head to head that's that would be oh this is Roto, this so, is Roto yeah. so that's fine
0: <laughs> Cameron Maben, Ichiro and Jason Hayward
1: in round 9 Cameron Maben, really? That, yeah, and I I like him, I think, at least more than Scott does, but that's that's a reach in any format.
0: Nick Swisher, Nick Marcakis, and
1: Chris Young in round 11. Early for Swisher in this format?
2: I'm surprised Young is going that late. I, I don't know that I'd necessarily go for him earlier than round 11 because I, I, I'm just tired of batting average drain guys. I've bought into them too much in recent years and haven't liked it, so... I probably wouldn't get him in the eleventh round, but knowing he's a potential twenty twenty guy,
1: I could see him going earlier than that. I mean, it, again, you know, we, you need five outfielders here. Yeah, that, I don't think that's a reach. Peter Borges, Andre Ethier, Carlos Beltran in round twelve. I think Beltran is going to get underdrafted in a lot of leagues. I, I'm buying into last year from him, so I have no problem with round twelve for Beltran here. Ethier could be a steal at this spot. Borges, as much as I like him, probably you could wait a. A couple rounds later.
0: Logan Morrison, Matt Joyce, Coco Crisp, round 13. I like Lomo a
2: lot more than Joyce. So I could stand to see Lomo go higher, Joyce go lower. But it's not crazy to see them going here or
1: anything. Angel Pagan, Austin Jackson, round 14. Like Pagan, and I I think he'll probably go lower in some drafts. Jackson, possibly a little high. Torrey Hunter, Melky Cabrera, round 15. I think this is where you see
2: the anti-hype on (laughs) Melky getting out of control because he was a top, what, 12 outfielder last year? Eight, 10, yeah. Eight, Eight. (laughs) yeah. Where do you think he should go if not round Um, 15? Probably that round 11 range. With Swisher, Markekis, Chris Young? Yeah, I think that sounds better. I'm waiting.
1: <laughs> Maybe not to round 15, but uh, I'd say probably 13th earliest for Melky With Lomo, Joyce, and Crisp. Yep. Okay,
0: round 16. Juan Pierre, Carlos Lee, Ioana Suspetis, Jeff Francoeur, Josh
1: Willingham, Martin Prado. Yeah, forget about Pierre. I'm not even sure where he fits in in Philadelphia, <laughs> so um, he could be awfully disappointing. Uh, Suspetus I probably would not go that early. And the rest look okay to me. Vernon Wells, round 17. I'm not drafting Vernon Wells. I'm just <laughs> I'm, not. I'm not
0: either. Brandon Belt, Colby Rasmus, Carlos Quentin, Mike Trout, round 18.
2: A lot of upside picks here. Yeah. And uh, really, I think at this point, you could pretty much go for anybody with upside, and it'd look okay. So no no major qualms there. Alex Rios, Brendan Bosch, Lorenzo Cain, Bryce Harper,
1: Dexter Fowler,
0: Michael Brantley, Seth Smith, round 19. I, uh,
1: yeah. I think it's a little too early for for Harper, for me. It's not so much
2: for me, but Brantley and Smith... Brantley's a guy who's never really excelled at steals. I feel like that's why most people target him. He's he's not that great, so I don't know why... I don't think he's worth drafting at all in a mixed league. Seth Smith, I don't think he's worth drafting at all in a mixed league either, but more because he's a a platoon player and... um, Yes, a lot of these guys in the last two rounds here I like more.
0: Yeah, round 20, (laughs) 21, Alejandro Deaza, John Mayberry, Lucas Duda, Raul Ibanez, Delman Young, Jason Bourgeois, Chris Heisey, Niger Morgan, Rajay Davis, Jason Kubel, Jose Tabata.
1: Mostly appropriate. I could see going a little bit earlier on Duda, even Delman Young. And the rest, I think, uh, uh, Bourgeois, I I probably wouldn't draft.
2: Yeah, I think I'm just going to go through and say who's worth drafting and who's not. Mm-hmm. Deaza worth drafting, Mayberry worth drafting, Duda worth drafting, Abanez, no, Delman Young, Eileen toward no, Bourgeois, no, Hazy, no, Morgan, no, Roger Davis in a mixed league, no, Kubel, Borderline, yes, Tabata, yes. Okay, sleepers, breakouts, and busts. And I apologize, we're not going to have time to get to
0: emails today, but we certainly will on our next show tomorrow when we're looking at uh, catchers, I think, right? Is that all we have left? And then with the then the starting pitchers and the relievers? Yeah. got to have pitchers. Yeah, uh, right we shows. love the pitchers. But uh, we won't gotta... <laughs> have a ball to hit otherwise. <laughs> yeah,
1: so after outfielders, we'll do catchers. Um, okay, sleepers for you, Al. All right. Um, yeah, I think I've got some older guys here. Uh, so I'll start with Lance Berkman. And clearly he's a risk. But, uh, you know, if you, you take out really the 2010 season, uh, Berkman's been been pretty consistent, and clearly he wasn't healthy in twenty ten. Bit of a health risk, but I, I I like the production if he stays healthy. I'm willing to take a, a risk with him. Uh, probably is the number three outfielder. Okay. And uh, all right, Andre Ethier. I think all sorts of comeback potential there. For him, it was clearly a health-related issue. That seems to be behind him. Jason Hayward could say the same thing. And this is a guy who's not only likely to come back to where he was in his rookie season, but exceed it. And yet everybody's drafting him like he's going to be the guy he was last year. Uh, Angel Pagan, love him in Roto Leagues. Think he's wildly underrated. Um, So again, if he's healthy, he's fine. Dalman Young. Clearly, I like him better than you because I said I would draft him earlier. You said he's not worth drafting. The guy he was in Detroit was pretty much the guy he was in Minnesota the year before. He's got some park splits that just show that, that Minnesota was awful for him. Detroit's a nice park for him. I think that he'll be uh, that guy he was two years ago all year this year. Oh, okay. And Tory Hunter, uh, a low-end guy who was a baby vac- victim last year, and, but the skills have been steady for him even at uh, a post-peak part of his career. Sleepers for Scott. Okay. As opposed to
2: breakouts, um, I'm going to go with Tabata. I still think there's, uh, some potential f- for steals. Definitely for power. Maybe Lorenzo Kane batting lead off for the Royals. Uh, I think he could be a good source of batting average and a sneaky source of steals. Alejandro de Aza. I kind of like him as a poor man, Shane Victorino. Um, just that, that same skill set, a lot of extra base pop and steals and high batting average and the whole thing. Left fielder for the White Sox. Dian uh also for the White Sox, taking Quentin's spot in right field. Um, not going to walk a lot, but I, I think he'll be a 20-homer guy right away. John Mayberry, uh, you look what he did in half the season at-bats last year. Like 15 homers and 267 at-bats. Eight steals, I think, also. So, uh they're comparing him to Jason Worth. They say he's going to be the next Jason Worth there, and as long as he holds off uh, Dominic Brown, I think that's possible. Alan Craig, looking what he did in uh, in a part time role last year, um, if if somebody gets injured, which is possible with with Berkman and Beltron and all them, he's he's definitely a mixed league guy. And then Colby Rasmus, I haven't completely given up on him yet. I don't. I wouldn't reach for him because I don't trust. I, I don't like what I've seen from him statistically, but he's shown enough flashes that maybe in a new environment, it'll finally work out for him. Uh, what was that smirk about?
0: Did you uh, mention one of your busts? He did. He did. <laughs> so are we going to get a bus now? Or <laughs> no, that's did? all right. We can do that later. Breakouts.
1: All right, breakouts. Uh, Cameron Mabin, Uh Scott, you talked about him being a strikeout guy. He made some headway there last year, so he's not as bad of a strikeout guy as he was before. If he can hold that... And then, meanwhile, improve his gap power and his, um, and his walks, which he's done in the past. Maben's going to uh, be a surprise this year. Uh, let's see. More breakouts. How about Lomo? We've talked about him. Uh, batting average is going to be higher this year. Power, he showed, was there. And we have, we've also talked about Lucas Duda. Great power potential there. Scott, breakouts? Uh, well, Desmond Jennings, I talked about
2: him already. I'm confident he'll be a 15-homer, 40-steal guy right away. Hayward, you call him sleeper or breakout, but uh it's pretty clear his mechanics were off last year because of an early shoulder injury. They seem to have him straightened out now. Lomo same thing al said basically, a higher batting average and more walks I expect this year, and then Lucas Duda um hit about hit over three hundred with an o p s over nine hundred in the, the last half of last season when he was playing every day, so I love him especially with the fences coming in and lowered at city field. Wrap it up, Scott. Busts. Delson Cruz, I think, is definitely in that category. Carl Crawford, kind of the same injury situation. Uh, Similar injury issues going on for both of those guys. Uh, Pence, I think a lot of guys are reaching 400 pence with uh, expecting him to be a 300 hitter again. Based on his peripherals, I still think he's a 280 guy with 20 homer pop, 20-25 homer pop. Um, Delman Young... I, I have actually have a bust label on him because I think people are still clinging to that potential he used to have. Some people are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just think the best case scenario is 20 homers. And I don't trust a batting average. Obviously not going to give you steals or walks. No, I'll pass on him. <laughs> and uh, I think we talked about everyone else. So. That. All right,
1: yeah. Pence, Melky, we've talked about them, both baby progression candidates, uh, big time. And then, uh, yeah, John Mayberry, I have is a bust because I don't trust the power from last year. It's completely out of line with uh, what we've seen in his minor league career and for an older guy that makes me really really suspicious. And if he's going to be the next Jason Worth, I think he's going to be the Jason Worth national version, <laughs> not Philly's version. So, oh. know, not not trusting Mayberry, well, and not drafting him in See in the
2: thing, Stairman part mistakes. of the Jason Worth comparison is that he came out of nowhere. I mean, obviously not nowhere because he was a first round pick at one point in time, but Mayberry's the same way. So, he's Jeremy Lynn. No, he's... <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to throw not, that in there. Not that out of nowhere. He <laughs> was a first-round pick, and that's what they're banking on uh, now that he's actually shown he can do something statistically. Worth sort
1: of was Jeremy Lynn because he was passed over by the Blue Jays and the Orioles. Worth was? And I After being a first-round pick.
2: Yeah. So. Okay. Oh, all right. So, it's, <laughs> so we're stretching t- it. He's Tebow. Uh, All
0: right, guys. <laughs> thanks a lot. Our email address is... Uh, oh, you know what? I forgot to give out the Ruben Tejada note again. That's, that's just going to keep bringing people back. Yeah, I know. Everybody's so excited to hear about this crazy Ruben Tejada note that I forgot to do on the shortstop preview. Fantasy baseball at CBSInteractive.com. Put podcast in the subject line. And if you want to be in our podcast league, send a separate email without your question. Put podcast league in the subject line. We are done for today. Back tomorrow for Al and Scott. I'm Adam. We'll see you later.